All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and joined with me is not, again, not the captain. The captain is, is sipping margaritas on the beach in Florida, but we got a guy that kind of looks pretty similar to him, naming himself the Jabberhammer, but uh, we got Mr. Paul Roberts from the, uh, the old, our, our, our friends over at the Bass, you know, the Bass and Beers podcast, and uh, Bass and Brews, Bass and Brews. Yes, yeah, so it was on my tip of my tongue, but I was like, wait, <laughs> did I screw it up? Like, I've been on it like twice, and I'm like, wait, I don't want to screw it up, but I decided to run through some random crap, but, but dude. We've been we've been trying to get you on here as a co-host for what like three months now at least, but we finally yeah, yeah. got the time to get you on here. What's going on, buddy? Uh, man, nothing. You know, it's, it's it's heating up down here in North Carolina. We we got fish pretty moving off, pretty much moving off into the postpone, and so um, you know I'm getting excited to fish again because for whatever reason I suck at catching fish in the spring, uh, unlike you know, the majority of the population. Are they done spawning over there on Jordan and Sharon Harris? They do, but I'm colorblind, so I can't half damn see to, to, to sight fish them, you know? Oh, and, dude, that's and, like uh, an episode in itself of, like, sight fishing while you're colorblind. Like, you're looking for, like, a white plastic, and you're just whipping out, like, purple or some shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, no, it's not even it's not even the lures. It's seeing the damn fish in the water. You got to understand. You know, Doesn't glow dirty. for you? Huh? The beds don't like stand out to you, even when you're colorblind. Well, I mean, we got dirty water down here, but I mean, you know, we we talking about foot and a half, maybe two on good days, two foot of clarity. Hmm. Uh, Jordan right now looks like the damn chocolate uh, river in Willy Wonka. So I mean, it ain't <laughs> it ain't easy to to fish colorblind in dirty water. Oh man, I didn't even think about that. I've never like. I always forget about that perspective. Like, there's a bunch of anglers that are damn good that are like colorblind, and I always wonder how in the world do y'all do it? Because, like, you know, from that perspective, but also like choosing your baits. Like, well, see, that's uh, we won't get into this, but shorter short answer of it is: is colorblindness means you can't distinguish colors together. And the easiest way I can say, if you look at a topographical map of of a forest that has a mix of pine trees and hardwood trees. Um, you can tell species and all this different stuff by by the colors of the trees. I have a hard time seeing that. That makes sense. Hmm. It's, it's hard to explain. Um, you know, I, I wish they made colorblind glasses for people who weren't color who weren't colorblind, so y'all could see what it was like. I mean, it ain't necessarily fun, but it right. isn't detrimental to like driving. Um, if it's not at the top or the bottom, I just hit the gas at a red light. <laughs> <laughs> no nah, but uh i don't know man fishing in the springtime is just tough for me i i just i don't but we get in these summer bikes where i can start deep cranking and and you know fishing some structure and following that around and for whatever reason it seems to i, I seem to do a little bit better then huh. how you been you had a lot going on the last couple of weeks man i'm finally you know i thought this past Saturday when we had our first local tournament up here in New York, it was going to be my first day to breathe and kind of like relax a little bit, you know, take everything in. Cause like, as soon as, you know, I won on that one Sunday, pretty much I like a bunch of people were getting like, we're staying that night down there and you follow and like, just, you know, maybe starting their commute to wherever they came from the next day. But I, like, I started my 15 hour drive right, right then. I went, I headed <laughs> straight towards Buffalo as soon as I left that place. And, 
you know, from then just for, I, I was working the next day, like from the next day and doing a crap ton of podcasts and all that jazz. Like I didn't get a chance to breathe. So I was like that Saturday was going to be my opportunity to actually, you know, take a deep breath. And of course my over ultra competitive instincts kick in and I don't get a chance to breathe. And, you know, it's was one I was just focused on trying to win the dang thing. And then the next day, was like a relaxing day. We got it. We got out with somebody, uh, a buddy of ours, Mister Sean Budiak from X Two Power, and uh, we went out smallmouth fishing. That was like a day I could like. There's a couple times where like I didn't have a line in the water, and I was just kind of sitting there in the passenger seat and like kick back or until it started like pouring rain, which is lovely. <laughs> uh, but on, back up a little bit. Back up a little bit for the folks that don't know. He did win that tournament. Yeah, yeah, I won the, the local tournament. The local. Like, he won that one, too. So I was telling him this earlier, and he said not do it, but I'm doing it anyway. We had the new Champ Bailey in the house. I will never earn <laughs> as much as the real Champ Bailey from, like, the Denver Broncos ever will. But I'm trying not to, like, talk about the wins here because our guest today is kind of, like, <laughs> taking that pedestal completely away. Like, I, I it's – He's on a whole other level of winning right now. So oh, yeah. we're going to get into that in a, in a second here when we bring him on. But I had, a, I had a quick story before it fades away from my you know ADHD memory here. Uh, when we're talking about the colorblindness, one of the funniest moments, like pre-tournament morning, like when you launch and you're waiting for the first cast. So one of my buddies looks over to me and he's he's holding up this watermelon craw i think it was like a chicken craw he goes is this chartreuse <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> laughing, I was laughing so hard i'm like because he's colorblind I'm like, dude that is not chartreuse <laughs> look I, you know how you like to talk about flit flit flake whatever yeah. you want to call it and yeah. if, if you're going to get beat off a of purple flake versus red flake how uh, you're just quitting that day yeah I just look i i do not care one bit because it it like Unless it's some kind of shiny silver metallic flake, it don't. I don't. I don't know. So that's why. That's why I tell people I ain't big on color. They're gonna bite the blue one. They're gonna bite the red one. Eight out of ten times. <laughs> well, I'm curious to get our guest take on the whole color deal. See if he if he's one that's like, we'll dial it into that <laughs> minute right. purple flake, or if he's just like watermelon. Yeah. You know, green pumpkin, white or black or blue. That's it. Right. I'm very curious to see. But without further ado, let's bring him on here, Mr. Eric Siddiqui. What's going on, champ? Nothing much. Good to be home. Yeah, it's good to be home, and it's good to get you back on the show, man. It's been a minute. Yeah, for sure. You've been. You said what six out of seven weeks that you've been just grinding away from home mm-hmm. and yeah. cashing checks. Yeah, that's about right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do so. Let me ask you this. What's first of all, what is your because I've recently just switched my vehicle. What is your tow vehicle? Are you a trailer guy or not trailer guy? Are you an Airbnb guy or are you a camping kind of guy? If that makes any sense. Well, um, I went without a trailer for a long time and um, I started having to carry a bike in with me in case I threw my back out trying to put that heavy PA 14 in the truck. Uh, so I decided to go with the trailer. Uh, for a long time, it was kind of like a rite of passage. If you hadn't helped me lift my <laughs> ridiculously heavy PA-14, then you weren't a real kayak fisherman. So <laughs> after, that, after that point, I decided it was time to get a trailer. So I ended up just buying a, a Sea-Doo trailer and kind of converting it. 
Um, and it's worked out pretty well. I blow a few bearings here and there with uh, how many miles I and how fast I drive, but I'm used to changing them now, so it's all right. Speed demon. <laughs> I got to make up the... for my slowness somehow, so I drive pretty fast. <laughs> how is the uh, the traveling out of Cincinnati? You get, I mean, it's kind of it's a lot more south than I think folks realize. Yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty central. Um, it's southwest Ohio, so um, about five hours from any Tennessee River Lake and about five hours from hours from St. Clair. Um, so it's not too bad. It's pretty pretty good central place to be for to be a kayak fisherman or tournament fisherman in general. Heck yeah. Well, dude, uh, I want to catch up with you a little bit here because it's obviously been a, a crazy few weeks, you know, basically two months since I last you know, hung out with you at the Classic. And obviously you got that nice, nice looking trophy behind you there over your left shoulder. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know you got a, you won the day one at the KBF event this, this past weekend at Gunnersville. But like, dude, the, the past few weeks that you've been, you know, traveling and grinding, you know, what, uh, what other events have you been fishing? Have you, you know, have you gotten any other trophies, that sort of deal? So we know that, you know, if Eric Siddiqui's in a tournament, there's a good shot that you're going to be taking a trophy home. Yeah. But, uh, you, know, you know, talk to us. What you been up to beyond those two tournaments? Uh, I took home the, um, the Queen City at Santee Cooper um, the yeah. first day there. So that was good. Um, man, uh, give you props for Eufaula. I hate that place. <laughs> I, <think laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I brought – that was the first time using the live scope and I didn't realize until I got to Gunnersville that I never saw a bass on that thing the entire time I was there. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Were you like, fishing oh, for that's what a bass looks like on this thing. <laughs> Were you fishing for him though? <laughs> Apparently not. I caught a, a crappie and a catfish on the first day hmm. ended up going shallow and picking off a little 12 inch or something on a, uh, on a cypress tree like later in the day mm. but I, I was i was determined i was gonna stay deep i i didn't have a good shallow or deep bite so i was like i'm just gonna stay deep and see if i could find some and i didn't find any so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. give you props for finding yeah. them i don't know how you did it yeah i did. I, I wanted to go deep i would have truly loved to but like it just wasn't happening like the i think it also helped that i dumped like a seven plus pounder in the first 10 minutes shallow so I was like, okay, I should probably stay shallow until like, yeah. I'm told otherwise. But, but dude, beyond that, like you said, you've been you've been grinding for you know six out of the past seven weeks. And you went to Santee, obviously. Yeah, I got, a, got a check at a uh, Grand Lake uh, for the Bassmaster, and then uh, uh, second day at Caddo was right there. Um, so yeah, that was Caddo was tough too. Uh, a lot of those great springtime fisherman. I couldn't find any water to kind of to myself at Caddo. I felt like I was just packed in. That's why I went day two. I went over to Bissano and was able to, yeah, I think it was like ninth or something, um, fishing over there. But uh, if I would have went where I wanted to um, the full day there, I put up, I think it was like 90 inches and or a little over over that. I had a bunch of 19s um, that I that I caught. Um, in half the day over on Bisno. I went and looked uh, a little further down the lake and it was kind of blown out and I went back up to where I really wanted to be, where I'd found fish in practice and I started hammering on them. So I think I should have never know what might happen. You know, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, and <laughs> you got to make all the right decisions if you're going to beat these guys every right. tournament. So 
But, Dude, that's one thing yeah. I'm looking like with cat talking Cato, uh now <clears> that I qualify for TOC is being in that tournament with only 50 people. I think that's, that's one thing good. I might be looking forward to most mm. than like the actual like tournament itself is just like having a tournament with only 50 people. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna definitely change things. It's like yeah. a club tournament, except with the the best angler from every club in the country. Yeah, it'll be, be fun. That's that's one thing to be interesting to look at. I don't think I've looked at it like from last year, but like from the the past TOCs, like which state had the most representation? That would be pretty interesting to look at to see if there is. But um, did really fast because I I wanted to ask you this a while ago, like while we we're having beers at the classic. But like, have you had anyone reach out for like a beard, you know, non endemic sponsorship yet? Beard. Like a beard. Yeah, like because yeah. you've got probably yeah. the best beard on the kayak tour. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually I have. Sorry, Paul. Uh, Sorry, he's like legit <laughs> on the kayak tour. You're just like part-time, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah, Kayak tour, sure. I don't know. Jordan Marshall got a nice beard now. I don't know. Eric's just so well kept and like it's yeah, like. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. There's. Yeah. Yeah. His, his is nicely trimmed and manicured and Jordan's is, you know, Jordan's. <laughs> <laughs> Country. It's country yeah, uh, Detroit Grooming actually. Uh, I, I reached out to them because I've used their products for so long, and uh, so I reached out to them, and they were like all about it. So they uh, decided they were going to sponsor me, and gave, even gave me a a, a promo code uh, fishing beard. So if you go on there on their website and want to order some order some stuff and try it out, uh, fishing beard is the uh, is my promo code for that. Hey, if it'll make sure I can get like a legit beard and more like Eric's than my like can't go near a school beard that I have going here, uh, then I'll have to use that promo code. But dude, one thing I was thinking about though, you'd have a badass handlebar if you were to ever get rid of the beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to go down this rabbit hole, but I was like, I meant to like tell you a while ago and I yeah. completely forgot, but. I was thinking about going with the, uh, the the mustache like Mr. Red. Yeah. But the reds are so terrible that this year, I don't think I can do it. Yeah, you don't want that mojo going for you. <laughs> Bailey, if you quit shaving, yours will grow in here in the next year or two, I promise. I don't know, man. I've tried that whole not shave thing, and it just gets worse every day. <laughs> but it, there's, a point, there's a point that you just got to close your eyes and pretend it's not bad, and then one day you'll open them up, and you'll be like, man, this is awesome. See, I'm I'm cool with that part. I can do that. It's more of the fiance gonna kick me out of the house for having <laughs> such a horrible mustache. Is well, you, you got to do it before fiance turns into wife because then you have no like you lose all all say then. Yeah, but we have a good thing going, so I don't want fiance to turn into <laughs> no fiance, fiance for life. So that's my thing. <laughs> I told mine I was so damn good looking, I had to hide the purdy to keep the women off of me after we got married, so I wasn't gonna shave anymore. Oh, uh, see, I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna use that now. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. It's gotta be true though. It's gotta be true. Yeah, I can't back that up, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but Eric, dude, I'm pumped to get you on here because, you know, obviously you've gotten a lot of success so far this year, but it's not just this year. Like in the past, however many years that you've been tournament fishing, since I really started heavily following kayak, uh, kayak fishing, you've been at the forefront, like from Hobie Worlds to, you know, KBF, all that jazz from the, the start that I've, you know, five, six. I mean, I, I, how many years have you been doing the kayak stuff? Like almost full time? Uh, my 
first uh, my first big tournament was the end of 2015 on Toledo Bend, um, and then uh, the next year my my second tournament was the first KBF National Championship on Kentucky Lake in 2016. I think it was. Yes. six so, yeah. seven years yeah yeah so one of the my biggest things i wanted to get you on here to talk about was practice because i think in kayak fishing there's a lot of different theories and there's a lot of different things i think that work for different folks but um a way to when you're like yourself traveling you know six out of seven weeks at a time fishing tournaments after tournaments a way if you have a process to consistently try or at least put yourself in position to stay successful. And I'm sure this can vary, you know, depending on location and lakes you're at, but you know, like when you're, when you're traveling, do you have like a, just a general process, you know, when you go to a different body of water weekend after weekend in terms of practice, or does it kind of, you know, obviously vary with different bodies of water that you go to? It definitely varies. Um, it can get tough. It feels like sometimes right when you figure out one place and you got to start working on figuring out the next one. Um, but I do a lot of map study, like before I ever get to the lake, a lot of, um, looking at ramps and trying to find those sneaky little ramps and, uh, looking at, looking at, uh, contours. Like, you know, I like the, the fish smart apps, um, you know, th- they're not cheap, but, um, it's one thing it's, a lot of people don't show. So detailed. Yeah, I know it's so detailed. It, I mean, if I'm going to be spending all the money, traveling to a tournament, paying the entry fee and everything else, and just paying $30 for a map that's as detailed as it is, is nothing to me. So, and I, and I like to use that along with Navionics and other maps and and kind of use everything I have at my disposal to, to try to figure a lake out. Are you like a, do you use YouTube or like the recent posts on Instagram type of deal or anything like that to kind of get an idea of what's going on or are you just straight up map study? No, I don't really look at anything else too much unless I'm hanging out with Cody Milton. He's he's got old Bassmaster tournaments and everything else running on his <laughs> on his wall nonstop before any tournament we go to, uh, months before even. So, uh, but yeah, I don't I don't pay too much attention to that. I would say I don't want any bad habits, but I'm not I'm not big on watching any of the pros right before we go there or anything like that either. Uh, outside of maybe. Um, like I remember a tournament last year on Pickwick where the pros were just there and I had heard where some of the, some of the pros were doing well and it was where I was planning to fish. So I went and watched and saw that my spot was not going to work out because <laughs> it was going to be blown up because, <laughs> uh, that's exactly where all those guys were. So, um, only to use where I don't want to fish sometimes I'll, I'll watch that stuff, but, but I don't really, yeah, I, I kind of just look at it. I, I feel like I could find the fish myself. I kind of just break down the body of water myself and decide. That's always one thing with the, the elite series tournaments that are on YouTube that I find is, I think uh, an interesting resource depending on how you use it, but also like pretty crappy for those guys in turn when they do the lay of the lake and they show you where every guy is, where it's like, when you got one guy in the middle of the freaking lake on you follow, then it's like, okay, that's one thing, you know, pretty, pretty hard to find, figure out, where exactly he's fishing but you got one guy way up a creek and it's like it's obvious and if he's doing well what he's fishing I'd be, if i was that guy i'd be like man this is my living like this kind of sucks like mm-hmm. uh, that's yeah, always one, been kind of interesting right for me. one thing i will do uh sometimes if i'm going to a, going to a lake and um i'm thinking about throwing something or doing something i'll, I'll look up a bass U video and 
and just watch something that rele- re- relevant to like what I'm thinking about doing. And usually more than anything, it just reinstills that, you know, what, what I was thinking about doing is the right thing, which is just a little extra confidence for you, mm-hmm. you know? So it might not change what I'm planning on doing, but it, d- it gives me a little more confidence that what I'm thinking is the right thing sometimes. So that's, yeah. And they might mention something that you're not thinking of. Like they'll mention 99% right. of what you're thinking, but then there's that one little tidbit right. that could you know, help mm-hmm. in the long run. Then that subscription is totally worth it for folks that I've had a few folks ask if they, I have a Bassy subscription or if it's worth it. It is. It is 100% it is. worth yeah. it because there's some juice in, the, in that subscription. Mm-hmm. Paul, you're going to say something? Some ideas, if nothing else. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> on, your, on your map study, when you're doing that before you get to the water and get on the water planning, are you looking for areas? you know, where you think the fish are going to be that set up good for what you want to do? Or, you know, are you looking at where fish potentially should be and just get, you know, get there and then figure it out from there? Are you trying to find something that you want to do through your map study? It depends on the lake and the time of year, but generally uh, I like to find, look for things that are going to set up for what I like to do. Um, but you know, depending on the time of year, I'm going to definitely be looking at areas that, um, I think that the fish should be that time of year and try to find the best areas that I can for that. Um, and then try to see how close a ramp is. A ramp's right next to it. It's usually not something that I really like, you know, I'd rather find one that's a little further away that it's going to take some, some, some time to get to some effort, you know, so that it's not, it's not going to be loaded up so much with boats and whatever yeah that's kind of the concept i like to run into tournaments with is like try to find something that's a decent ways away from a ramp and when you'd mentioned in your champlain tournament i think it was last year or the summer prior when you were like going through three four footers to get to vermont because i think they only let you launch on the new york side right yeah yeah yeah. that i was like (laughs) at least i have like uh, the, the guy that keeps winning, at least I have the same sort of game plan in terms of practice that he does. Uh, that was one of the dumbest things I've ever done. <laughs> I've been that. I was a little worried in that one, not going to lie. That was, it wasn't three, four footers. They were, <laughs> it was the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, if I took my eyes off it for one minute, I was flipping in there. I promise you, there wasn't a boat out there. So. I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would have made it back in if I would have flipped out there. Mm. Yeah, that was the craziest part because the winner it was bad. Know, not, not to get sidetracked here, but like the winner flipped like three times. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how did? I was like, wait, what? How did yeah. you flip and like you're still able to submit pictures? Like, <laughs> what tarnation are you using for a phone? Like, uh, <laughs> well, if I forget right my idea. towel, if I forget my towel, my hands are wet from touching the fish on a. Sunny day, I can't do anything with it. And he's over there in the water. That's insane. Dude, yeah. that's the part I think I hate the most about kayak fishing tournaments is when you're, like, holding the fish and you're getting a net or whatever, your hands are all wet and you're trying to take a picture and you can't touch your screen because your hands are wet. I hate that part because then you go and you right. wipe off your phone and get it dry in your hands and the fish flops all over and it's like, <laughs> we had a perfect start over. And it, yeah, it mm-hmm. gets pissed at the fish. It's like I, you get that one fish yeah. that keeps popping his mouth open. I'm like, I will punch you in the face. Like I'm not right. afraid. Like <laughs> oh, those ones are just seizure. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> or when they go nose first down into the Hobie Drive, and you got to try to oh, wedge yeah. them out, you can't get them. I got two tips. One, take you a little little grab one of your wash rags up out the closet, take that widget and leave it by your seat. 
And two, at least on the iPhone, if you have an up-to-date iPhone, you can say, hey, Siri, take a photo. And she snaps that photo right then and there. Somehow, and I don't know how he does it, but Josh Stewart has his phone set up to where uh, he'll hold his phone up and he'll go, whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. (laughs) And it takes pictures. And I still don't know how he's set set up that way, but I'll be on the phone with him. (laughs) You can make funny words for that. I don't know. I know. I don't know how he does it, but that's hilarious. I think he's just faking it. I don't even know if he's actually taking pictures. I think he's just doing a mess with me. So, like four <laughs> years ago, I uh, and actually I made a clown of myself because I actually made a video on it and I got torn up quick. So I, I learned fast about it. But on my local series, local series, they didn't really care much for the the location service because they you know were going on the honor code and it was like. Like, I think it was the same time that, Eric, when you said you were starting fishing the national tournament, it was like 2016. So it was like nine of us in a tournament. And like, we're all like buddies. So it's like an honor code. I would take videos of my fish and I'd screenshot from the video of like a picture of that fish on the board. And I, this was like me being like the young, like quote unquote YouTube aspiration type of deal. And I made a video of like, it's really easy to take a video of your fish and screenshot of. And I got, <laughs> Torn to shreds, like if you oh, do that. But like realistically, it's a super easy way to like not get a bad picture because if you have a video going mm-hmm. the whole time, it's a great way to you know not miss it. But at the same point in time, I don't think you can do location service. Right. That yeah, uh, I know people have got a uh, fish DQ'd for. I guess the old iPhones used to when you hold it, it would take a bunch of pictures, and now when you hold it, it'll do a yep. video. So video. I've had some yeah. people, I've had that messing people up. And well, if you have water people. on your hand too, and it gets that button, it'll hold it. Um, and that I'm gonna go find that video and throw it up on KBN and be like, "Look at this guy right here." Oh me? No, I deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> I deleted it. I think in the yeah. first 15 minutes, I had like 10 comments of people telling me I was an idiot, and that's not the case. And I, so I was like, <laughs> "Delete." <laughs> oh man! Yeah. But I'm willing to admit when I was wrong. So is <laughs> what lesson learned. Um, but not to. I mean, we, here we go, getting sidetracked already. Um, so you like, invited the wrong one on here to keep you on track. I just want you to know. <laughs> oh, dude, that's what this whole platform's on. We're wrong all about too. rabbit holes. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Uh, so like in the areas, you know, you do a lot of map studies, so a lot of, you know, research leading up to before you even get on the water, but like once you're, you know, on the water and you're looking at those areas that you want to check out, do you rely heavy on electronics to scope that area out? Or is it, you do rely more on like just your basic instincts as an angler? I mean, of course there could be a combination of both, but is there one that you lean towards more than the other? Um, I'm, I've always been big on my electronics and, you know, I've worked pretty hard to, uh, you know, feel really confident with them. So that's something I rely on heavily. Uh, but also, I, I just kind of let the fish tell me uh, what they want or if they're even there a lot of times. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of both. But I'm pretty confident with my electronics. You know, I know what I'm looking at when I when I see fish or uh, whatever. Um, water temperature is big always you know to let you know what the fish are potentially doing uh but then when it comes down to it you kind of need them to tell you um what they're doing what they're in the mood for yeah that makes sense so here's an interesting topic and i've seen both sides of it a lot being talked about lately uh and it was brought up uh the other night when drew 
uh, Drew, our buddy Drew Gregory and Zach Hall and myself did a mist and misconception show on kayak fishing. And one of the biggest things people talk about with kayaks, which is true to a point that it's able to help you slow down and like pick apart an area. But I think there's also exceptions to that where you can run and gun with a kayak very easily. But so there's two sides of it there where I've seen people talk about if I don't get bit in an area in 15 minutes, I'm gone. But then there's people that say, I know there's fish here, so I will slow down if I'm getting bit like once an hour type of deal. Like, which which one are you? Are you one where like if you're not getting bit in 15 minutes, you're going to keep moving on or or you just want to, you know, when to hunker down? Like, what, what's your real thumb? Yeah, um, if I know the fish are there and I'm, and I'm doing the right thing and I'm not getting bit, I'll just hunker down and and fish and and that's one of the things that road beds are one of my favorite things to fish and you're not going to get bit a lot a lot of times on them but you're going to get some of the right bites and a lot of times it's hard to to stick it out for five you know in a day but uh you know sometimes i'll try to find something close by where i feel like i could fill a limit and then i'll you know feel a little better about sitting out there but um i remember uh the uh, crossroads kayak classic that i won on uh newton lake in illinois and uh, one of the guys out there, uh, I guess it was kind of one of his home lakes, and he was like, man, he's like, I went up there and watched you fishing that road bed out there. And he's like, I don't know how you do it. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> that was the slowest, most painful fish I've ever seen. I was like, man, I, I knew they were there. I, <laughs> I just knew I just had to give it some time and get the bait in the right place, and I'd, and I'd get them to bite. So. Uh, at one yeah. point during the day in that tournament, I remember looking up, and uh, the second day there was a boat tournament, and I expected one like some of them would get out, out on that roadbed, and they all fish shallow. But at one point, I look up and I see two boats on one side, two boats on the other side. None of them are fishing; they're all just standing there watching me, trying to figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> so, That's interesting. So, like, yeah, from a from a like a good like a they're not just like. It was trying a to hawk you down or they were like just yeah, i think they were just curious. really didn't know what i was doing like the the roadbed wasn't on any map um or anything that i had found but when i when i saw i was actually on the phone with mel ash when i found it and i go hey i just won this tournament and then i cast out there and i got a 22 or something he's like really and i caught a 22 on the first cast like yeah i just won <laughs> he's like, that's awesome All right. yeah so like i actually uh the second day i um before I even had a limit, I chased a, a big six-point buck around and filmed it. I mean, you can still see that. <laughs> you can still see that video on my Instagram. Oh, yeah, it's your... on my Instagram. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm going to have to find that. I'll be all over. <laughs> I didn't, that was day two. I was leading it, and I still didn't have a limit. But, and I, but I Chased her on the bucket cool. set. <laughs> <laughs> Chasing it around, filming it. Oh, dude, that's hilarious. I, I, I saw uh, – I can't remember who posted it because I don't think it was Bass. I think it was something on the fishing wire. That was posted after you won. Yeah, you're right up for you know talking about the you know your win and how you won. Uh, and I believe they said you were throwing like a single swim bait, right? That you're creeping on bottom. No, uh, for the Bassmaster Championship. Yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. Were you throwing that on spinning gear? Yes, uh, medium oh, heavy. Uh, I had a 20 pound uh, braid to a 12 pound fluorocarbon leader. Dude, that that bite like with a spinning rod and creeping a swim bait on the bottom is my absolute favorite bite on planet earth. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. <laughs> like, was pretty, and those spots are me. <laughs> oh, are dude, mean. I haven't done it for spots, but now that you say it, it's like, got me I had a mix of spots bite. and large mouth, but yeah, those, those spots 
I mean, I don't have any margin for error with those things. Yeah, well, what's cool about that bite, though, I mean, one being that it's just so dang fun because, like, you're sitting there counting rocks real and so slow, <laughs> and it's like, don't and it's like there's mm-hmm. no question what that is like you're just yeah. going to reel and set the hook but the hookup ratio on it is basically 100 percent. like right. if one gets yeah. off it's basically because either you didn't set the hook or two you have a dull hook or you just don't have a hook right. like beyond that you're getting them to the boat if you as long as you don't have too much cover in the way but exactly that's such a fun bite that's what yeah I, I had to ask if you're doing on uh, throwing on spinning or casting because the people that throw it on casting it's to me in my mind i don't know i'm weird it's not as fun as spinning gear. <laughs> no, I like me some spinning gear. And with that hook I was using, like like you said, that's part of what makes the that 100% hookup is that real light hook. I was using that uh, uh, the quarter ounce ball head uh, tungsten, the Kytec. Oh, okay. Oh, and, you've done the uh, Kytec. Okay. Yeah. And and that thing, I, I, would, I wouldn't throw it on a baitcaster. You'd straighten it out. But you yeah. get your drag set right on the spinning rod, you're going to land pretty much every fish you hook. Mm. See, I found so I've used the Kytex. The one I love the most, except especially for creeping on bottom, is the owner ultra head football head that has a like a light two aught. Uh, you can use a two aught or a three aught hook, and that is my beyond favorite. Actually, I think I have one right here. Where the heck is this thing? There we go. I got one actually sitting right here. That sucker. Nice. Yep. I have used mean. those. I've thrown those when I couldn't find my uh, Kytex. Actually, I think it was a lacrosse. I was throwing those. Yeah, they're they're the deal. Like that mm-hmm. is the swim bait had to be thrown. But uh, talk to talk to us a little bit about, and I'm sure you talked to a few folks since Gunnersville about your win. But you know, talk to us a little bit about your recap and how you found success throughout the weekend. And obviously, you won day one, uh, but you came in second overall for the tournament. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Talk well, to us a little bit about what happened. Um, so, uh, I went out to an area that I like on Gunnersville to usually like it to start because you could see a lot of shallow stuff and a lot of deep stuff and kind of, you know, get an idea what the fish are doing. Um, so I, I usually start there. I saw a lot of fish shallow, not many deep at all. And, uh, as, as the week kind of progressed, I realized that they were, it was a shallow bite. Those, those fish were on, on beds. Um, I wasn't sure how long they were going to be there, but, um, I know Cody Milton himself found a pocket with, um, he said he had, I think 50 to 70 beds marked with four pounders on them. Mm, Something stupid. It was more, it was more bed fish than I've I've ever seen in my life. So we hit hit it pretty much on the head. (laughs) Um, so I knew what I had to find to compete with him. Um, I went out. Uh, Wednesday, me, Cody, and Christine ended up going to the same place, and we were real, real serious that day about uh, <laughs> about our pre-fishing. <laughs> uh, we went out there, we found some fish, and uh, then I smelled some barbecue, and I uh, called Cody and said, I'm going to eat some of this barbecue. It smells too good, and we go in there, and, and then uh, we get up there, and they had some great beer. It was uh, Back 40. Uh, it was called Truck Stop. And uh, we called Christine. She came and joined us. She was fishing the area, too. And uh, we were just talking about how great it was. And then we finished eating, went out for about 20 minutes. And after about 20 minutes, we were like, 
Okay, I can't stop thinking about that beer. Can you stop thinking about that beer? Like, no, I can't stop thinking about that beer. Like, let's just go back. So we ended up going back and sitting there and and drinking all day. And I actually had spotted a 23-incher from uh, before I I went there and ate. Um, and so uh, I got a little video of Christine and Cody trying to catch it from the dock there. Uh, so that was pretty cool. We sat around and drank beers all day and talked about how we wouldn't forget this day of pre-fishing. And uh, <laughs> so that was, that was a good day of pre-fishing. And so then, this whole uh, podcast is, is is that. That's how that's how kayakers practice. Right. They go out for 20 minutes, they eat barbecue, drink, and, uh, you know, then show up to fish. Sometimes you got to cut day. loose, man. <laughs> find can, the brewery uh, that is on the lake and you will find Eric in practice. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Sitting out on the back, that back on the balcony going, yep. Where I'm going tomorrow. Yeah, there's a fish on that log over there. <laughs> Double fishing. Is that a catfish or is that a bass? I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so, uh, so the next day I went out. Uh, now I went to an area I'd never fished on Gunnersville, which at this point there aren't a lot of those. Um, and it ended up being the busiest ramp that I had seen. But mm. I ended up going out there and I, I got a hold of a 23. And kind of saw what I liked, so I decided to go back there Friday, and uh, got back, got out there. And and actually, when I went to go out Friday morning, I realized I'd lost my Yak Attack net, which I've had for about eight years. Uh, my Yak Attack landing net, love that thing. It's uh, so I was like pretty bummed out about that. I'm like, I'm gonna go out there and see if I could find it. And I headed to where I caught that 23 because it was some gnarly stuff. I thought maybe it got pulled out of the kayak. I had laid it down at one point, couldn't find it. And uh, went back to pre-fish. I'm like, I'm never going to find it on this giant lake. So I go and I start hitting like every pocket, every place I wanted to go and look at on my map. I'd, I'd, like, I want to check this spot out. There'd be at least one boat or at least one kayaker or multiple. So uh, I'm like, all right, this is not going to work. So I go back to looking at my phone. I see this, this pocket up the river a little bit. And um, it was pretty choppy out there. So I was like, you know what? I bet nobody will go over here. And I, like, go under the bridge. It was a couple miles up. And uh, did that. No boats, no kayaks. Uh, pull in this little pocket with about 20 docks. And there was two to four or five beds on every single dock. And I was seeing, you know, there was a bunch of 18 pluses, ton of 16, 17s. Um, so what I started doing was when I'd see one of those fish that were 18 plus, I would go and mark the bed with uh, on my Lowrance with like a specific waypoint. There's all kinds of emojis on Lowrance. Um, so I'd mark one with a sun, for example, and I would I would put a little note on my phone like sun um, blue behind the behind the blue dock on the walkway between the second and third post, and I would mark all the best fish uh, that I saw on beds like that. And there was one dock at the end that had um, at least three over eighteen. It looked like to me. Uh, one of them was looked like it was definitely over 20. So I marked those and I decided I was going to start there in the morning. And uh, so I actually went back to the ramp and uh, I was kind of messing around with a little bait. I was thinking about throwing in the bed. I was trying to figure out how I wanted to rig it. And uh, then I, I'm, I'm just standing there at the ramp. I'm flipping at this riprap there. And I happen to look over and I see my net floating there in the water. Just the back of it is sticking up. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> I go pick it up. I'm like, it's going to be a good tournament for me to find this net on Gunner's <laughs> Wow. So, I was feeling pretty good right away after that. 
That's uh, a good omen there. Yeah, Gene Jensen walks up. He's like uh, looking. At, he's like, "What are you throwing in there?" And I'm like, "Dude, I just I had told him. I was like, I just found my net right here." He's like, "Right there?" I'm like, "Right here." <laughs> I was feeling pretty good already. So uh, next day, uh, I go out, head straight to that dock, and uh, start out with a, a jackhammer. There was one bed like that was right against. Uh, the dock and it was kind of open area so I just ran right by there and hooked into 18 and a quarter right away and then I uh, pulled back around and the big one was on a um, on the middle on a couple tires over there so I, uh, I flipped the sink over there and just let it sit dunk set the hook it was a 20 and a half and then uh, went over to the other side of the dock where there was another one uh, flipped the sink over there and caught the it was a 17 something and then uh, moved around to uh, the next good waypoint I had and kind of snuck back there between these docks and flipped over there and caught a 19 and a half and then picked off uh, another 17, something that way. And I had the limit I stayed with all day, I think, for after an hour and a half. Wow. So, yeah. So, and then uh, I actually went pre-fishing again and just ran some pockets on the main lake, see if I could find maybe some bigger fish, like a, one big fish even on a bed, something like that. And never really found anything. Came back to check the area out. And I left some beds that were like behind some docks that boats couldn't get to. They were just so tight. There was no way a boat could get back there. Um, and then I was seeing a lot of eelgrass and, and debris that was getting kind of pushed back in there. In that, uh, into that pocket. And that kind of had me worried for the next day. Um, so I ended up winning that first day. Went back out the second day and it was kind of what I thought. There was a bunch of stuff in there. And we had some bad weather that was coming in too. So... Uh, that was in the back of my mind. Um, I kind of realized pretty quick a lot of that loose eel grass had gotten around those docks and on top of those beds, and it was just going to be hard to fish. So I ended up, I started throwing a, a jackhammer out, like in the middle of the grass, in the middle of the pocket, uh, out in front of all the docks, and I picked off uh, 18 something, uh, 16 three quarter doing that, and then the weather hit, and it was bad. I could just see white caps. Like I was the. Mm the the main channel came in i was back in this pocket and i could just see white caps just flying through uh the the wind hitting it and just pushing spray everywhere it was just it would look <laughs> terrible i was like i'm never leaving this pocket if it, this doesn't stop i'm gonna be sitting in here all day there's no way i'm going out into that so i kind of just uh i mean i just kept casting around never got anything there was a uh, boat had actually come back there and he wasn't going anywhere either so we're just kind of stuck back there together and uh finally it did quit and uh i was able to come out and hit another pocket um that there was a couple boats in and i um every time i went to look at it on the first day but because of that weather i think that kind of kept them out and so i pulled back into there and my first fish i was fishing to get some riprap my first fish was a 19 and a half and uh after that it was just on i probably caught 25 fish like going the rest of the day in that area they were just stacked in there uh caught, caught a couple on a mag draft even um so um ended up holding on to second in the pro series um dylan lowry uh, crushed it up up north um and pulled ahead of me in the pro series and took first but yeah, yeah, he was, was fishing more was like called... river stuff right yeah he was like current current base stuff mm-hmm Dude, I, I want to go back to one of the points you made uh, when you first got to Gunnersville is that you checked uh, a more popular area, I think is how you described it, to get a feel for what fish were doing. Because 
And I think the way you're describing is it sounds like it's like a community hole. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, Gunnersville is a community hole, I think, at this point. It's just fair. It's just, <laughs> um, is that something you'll, you'll tend to do in tournaments? Like, if you don't have to, like, just to get a quick idea of what's going on is hit the biggest or the bigger community holes in that lake just to get a feel for what's going on? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And in an area, you know, that has a little bit of a little bit of everything. I don't have to go far to 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 I know areas that especially Gunnersville, like something I'm used to fishing. I know that area has deep that will hold deep fish and there's areas that'll hold shallow fish and I can get a good idea of what the fish are doing by fishing an area where I can uh, there's also bridge there which is big on Gunnersville, so I was able to check that and see if maybe that was a possibility for for a bite, you know. Um, so I was able to check out a few different things, uh, you know, that has docks and grass and everything. So, so I was able to, to kind of get a feel for what was going on just by going to that one place on the first day. When you get on the water and, and you, you get to your first, you know, your first spot or a spot that you want to start practicing on, are you, uh, are, are you just going, 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 casting full speed, you know, trying to cover water, eliminate the water uh are you are you picking it off methodically trying to catch a fish or two to see to see what's there like how are you attacking that area that you want to go fish not not non-spawn right not where you can see but let's say spawns over pre opposed how do you attack that area i I always fish pretty slow Uh, a lot of guys are that run and gun style um that's not really really me I, i like to you know uh, see if I get them to eat a jig. I love catching them on a jig, so I always check and see if I can get them on that. Uh, try to see if they'll eat something that I like to throw first, um, which is a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'm not big on throwing would be like crankbaits. I'm not big on treble mm-hmm. hooks at all. So if I catch them on a single hook, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of my favorite <laughs> thing to do. So I'll try to find something. You know, I- I'm pretty methodical. I remember coming out of a pocket on Gunnersville actually uh, probably four or five years ago and uh boater was coming out of the pocket and um or trying to come in to, to fish it and he goes you just fish all the way through here and i was like yeah and he goes i'll fish behind a boater but i won't fish behind a kayaker you guys don't leave any meat on the bone like, you don't even know i don't definitely don't leave any the smart man <laughs> yeah. yeah do you tend to fish uh start off you know shallow to deep shallow and deep relative to what you say it is but do you tend to fish shallow to deep deep to shallow or do you stay in an area how do you attack different water levels water um, i i like to fish i don't know i mean I'll, I'll fish shallow if they should be shallow um i like fishing deep because those generally are less pressured fish mm-hmm. um i don't know if that's necessarily the case with live scope and everything anymore uh, but that's that's one of the reasons I've always liked to go to go deep because it's fish that other people won't don't know how to find or fish for or you know whatever it is it's they're gonna be a little less pressured but you know um, I don't know I think it could be flipping with all the live scope stuff to where some of the shallow fish are less pressured even so it seems uh, like that the more south you get is the more these offshore fish are getting more pressured but I, I completely agree with you in terms of the less pressure from at least from a kayak standpoint. Is I feel like the the offshore isn't going to get touched as much in a kayak term. There's not there's only a select few that I think can successfully find fish offshore. 
but the further south you like on Ufala, take that you follow for example, or at Gunnersville, like offshore is no secret down there anymore. Like every boat and their mother knows what the offshore spots are. They're getting pounded. It's almost like you're at more advantageous to be up shallow at this point right. because it's getting less pressure, at least from a south standpoint. Now, the north of- people still don't leave five foot of water for some reason. Right. Those those fish, I think, especially on lakes that are heavily pressured, like Gunnersville, I feel like they, I don't know, but I feel like they know when they're getting live scoped. Like from like my limited experience, but when I was I was watching them, um, I was watching them on my live scope um, in an area that I, that I fish a lot, and there it was just loaded with fish. And I'm watching them feel like every time I got them on there, and I was fishing, I'd fish, been fishing about 45 minutes and couldn't get these fish to eat. And, and it felt like every time I got them on, they would take off. <laughs> like, and I was like, what the heck? And I, so I shut the thing off and made a cast. Next cast got a 20 incher. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's a real hmm. thing. Like, that's, uh, I was talking with Adam Reiser at the uh, registration for you, Fall, and he mentioned, because I was telling him, I really want to go fish Lanier, and he has a good amount of experience on Lanier. And I was, right. you know, asking about forward facing, and he said that those fish, because like, just like a two D where fish can feel two D under the boat, the fish can feel forward facing, like especially when they get so accustomed to it. Where mm-hmm. guys on Lanier now will have to like you point that forward facing, you find fish, as soon as you find them, you make that cast and you point that stuff away, and you rely right. on your own instincts as an angler because those fish can feel it. So exactly what you're talking about. When you keep that that forward facing sonar on them, like over time, you know, with how much people are using it and how accessible it's become, those fish are getting accustomed to it. Yeah, and it's pretty uh, crazy to see that. Which yeah. I think that is completely debunking people's theory on like, you know, forward facing being a you know basically cheating. It is up north because our fish are still stupid as heck. But <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. it was funny. Yeah, a guy a guy who came came into one of my spots was was running it, and I was like. It's like man, this was uh, what was this? This was at Santee on day two. A guy uh, pulled into my spot, and I was like, man, uh, need to turn that stuff off. Uh, like they, uh, I think they might be able to feel it. This is before I even had mine, and I'm like, I've been hearing that they, you know, and I know exactly where they're at. They're right here. There's no reason to have it on. And he's like, he's like, they don't know. They they can't feel it. He's like, I've. I haven't had any problem. And he's from up north. And I was like, those northern fish probably don't have a clue what's going on. But these fish, I've skipped all the time. There's no reason to have it on in here. <laughs> yeah. Well, these fish down here get pinged enough. They probably going to start having some kind of growth occur. <laughs> We're going to be inspecting here in the next right. few years. Can't even eat them. Oh, yeah. That's a live scope fish right there. It's got a, you know, a, a arm coming out of its dorsal fin. Yeah. Like those Ohio River fish, they've always said, uh, they're okay to eat once a month or something like that. I was like, Anything that has that kind of regulation on it, I don't want to eat at all. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, thank you. That's hilarious about that. Dude, it's become so crazy to see. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. And I I feel like I said it a bunch of times on this show where, like, I don't want to start talking about forward facing because I'll start going on about it for two hours where people have been using it for freaking spawners now. Like, Luke Palmer – who got, I think, I think he top five at Santee Cooper event for the elites had 33, a 33 pound bag bed fishing cypress trees with four facing sonar. Like he took, he, he made 10, 15 flips on one cypress tree where like, if you without it, 
you'd go by that cypress tree, make you know a couple flips, and then keep moving on. Once you get bit, but he could see him on um, mm-hmm. like landscape versus just forward. But it, it's it's crazy because like there's there's times where, like you said, it's super important to you know completely turn your electronics off. But then there's times like you know up north where like it does not matter. You can literally be on top of them and they don't like it doesn't affect them. But right. Know, Something uh, will come along that'll change. You saw Drew Cook won that one. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, we hung out with him uh, after the Bassmaster. That, that was night. a fun night as well. That, that was. <laughs> that was our Bob Cobb night. That I don't. Yeah. We'll, we'll tell on. <laughs> we'll leave that for behind the scenes. But <laughs> Drew Cook had me rolling that night, though. Uh, <laughs> that was a fun night. <laughs> that yeah. was a good one. <laughs> I can't remember how I found you. I think I wonder in that hookah bar you and the uh, Humberg guys were in. Oh yeah, yeah, and that it was actually really funny. One of the guys uh, uh, from the Humberg team, he's like new to fishing. Like he's good, he's great at his job, but he's like he doesn't know everyone in the industry yet. And like my buddy and I were like watched like a few guys walk by. I think you had came in. Well, you and I were chatting, and then Ike walks by, and I were like, "Oh, there goes Ike!" And like the guy's like, "Who?" And we're like. <laughs> like Ike and Ellie, he goes, I don't know how that is. And we're like, what? <laughs> and we just got done like talking about how people are so gullible. And I'm like the worst at it. Like you could tell me gullible's written the ceiling and I'm the first one to look. And I was like, you're screwing with me, right? And for like 30 minutes, I wouldn't believe this dude. That he didn't know who Ike was, but he really didn't know. I thought he was screwing with me. But yeah, so <laughs> here we go. Rabbit holes. We're already getting down more. Yeah. Um, so like Here's another question I have from a, from a kayak standpoint, because this is a, a decision I think is from a kayak fishing standpoint in practice it and tournament-wise, it is so much harder to make decisions because it carries much heavier of a weight in terms of, you know, if you want to go two miles one direction, you're taking a chunk, a good decent chunk out of your day. So, like, the decisions you make in practice and on tournament day, way much heavier on yourself in a kayak than a boat. So my question is, when do you know in practice, you know, when to completely ditch an area, like write it off? Like, I know you said, like, if you find an area that has fish in it, you'll you'll stick it out as long as you can. But like, when do you pull that trigger to leave? Um, a lot of times it's kind of a gut thing. Um, if I'm thinking about an area and I can't get it out of my mind, then I've got to go look at it. And, you know, I mean, there's a reason for it, especially um, a lot of times if, if I'm in an area that's that's busier than I w- would like it to be, um, even if I've got fish there, I'll roll to try to find, you know, I've got that if I have to, but I'd rather go try to find something more to myself, you know, type thing. Um, try to duplicate whatever pattern I had figured out somewhere where there's less people around to share that I have to share a fish with and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, that's... That makes sense. One thing I think about. I think that's the biggest decision that people have to make that I think burns people and also helps some folks is, excuse me, that patience can be a virtue, but also knowing when to pull the plug. Like right. that's probably the hardest you know decision to make as tournament anglers, regardless of the vessel you're in. But I mean, one, one example of that would be uh, when I won the first uh, Hobie on St. Clair. And uh, I came second the year before fishing an area that and didn't hardly have anybody. Uh, I think it was one other boat in the area. And then there was probably 15 on the first day of the tournament. 
and um, you couldn't pre-fish the Canada side. So I, I got as close as I could to the Canada side and actually found some fish on the American side in practice. So uh, I went over there and, and I was fishing day one of the tournament. And I remember I just caught a fish and it, was, it put me around like just under 90. And I look up and I just see like, I count 10 to 15 boats. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to upgrade, like get what I need here. I, I know I fish St. Clair enough that I know you're going to have to hit uh at least 93 94 to have a chance on the second day um and i didn't feel i was going to be able to get it so that's when i I made the move over to uh my my american side spot um which uh that time of year when the canada side is just open um those canada fish are pretty stupid they haven't seen anything so (laughs) so it's kind of hard to leave those fish but i went over to the uh my American side fish and uh, I was able to upgrade to about 96 and a half in the last hour, hour and a half. I think I called uh, every one of my fish for one and uh, put myself in first place going into day two and was able to hold on and win, uh, win it um, on that spot again. I started out uh, fishing those Canada fish just to kind of give those guys a little competition mm-hmm. out there not not make it too easy on all those guys that were fishing on those I fish. I love that you're then... pointing that out that there's like there's northern stupid and then there's Canada stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a shout to all of my Canadian buddies that listen to this is yes, I'm calling you dumber than us. <laughs> you're getting you're getting one star and bad reviews tomorrow. <laughs> Fine, all my all my Canadian buddies probably hey, he brings up a good star. point. He uh, Eric brings up a good point right here too, uh, that goes into practicing, and that is uh, history and knowledge of the body of water you're on, and how you practice for that versus if you've never been there before. So he had an area close to where he was fishing that he knew he could go to that holds fish, mm-hmm. and and. You know, you, you'll hear the pros talk about this on the Elite Series when you have a new guy come in and how a lot of them struggle with practice because they're going to bodies of water they've never been to and so they don't even know where to start. And so it's all that dead water that, that folks that have been on a body of water before are able to eliminate and they can kind of plan their practice around the areas that they know typically hold fish or they've caught their fish there before um you know and build a plan off of those areas and it's interesting because that's the second time you brought that up my experience at this lake uh led me to to be in this area Mm. and not necessarily that you caught your fish in the same place but it put you in that right area where you were comfortable and kind of knew what was going on and there's really no substitution for time on the water Mm -hmm. i mean and and me traveling for all these years to all these lakes and you know has really helped a lot to where it's got to the point where, you know, I'm having this kind of year. And, um, I mean, like Richard B. Russell, I'd never been to. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's, uh, but it, it still comes back to experience, like being able to break down a body of water before you get to it and, um, kind of figure out where the fish are going to be. Uh, most of the time when I'm, um, pre-fishing for a tournament i'll end up fishing the tournament in the first spot i want to go look at so there's something to be said for that like it's Mm -hmm. there's a reason why you started at that spot why you picked that spot to go look at first you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. um that's that's the way it works out a lot of times so i mean i still i still fish a lot of tournaments on lakes that i've never fished and you know 
Uh, a lot of my wins over the years have come on, you know, my first time at the lake. Table Rock, my first time there, I won. Lacrosse, my first time there, I won. Uh, Richard B. Russell, the first time there, I won. Um, stuff like that. So, um, so what it's kind of double-edged sword. With... Stop fishing tournaments at lakes we've been to. <laughs> well, it's yeah, kind of a double-edged sword for like yeah. people fishing memories. It can help, but it can also <laughs> hurt you not being able to yeah. let something go where right. you know you caught fish there before. Yeah, the and home lake advantage it helps we to all look talk. at a place fresh. You know, that's yeah. that's like I went yeah. to a place on Gunnersville I've never been to. I was like, where haven't I been on this lake? So that's mm-hmm. where where I ended up going and where I ended up fishing the tournament in an area I'd never fished before. And time um, on water though lets you take a new lake and compare it to a lake you've been on. Mm-hmm. Right, this is similar makeup, watercolor, fish, fish behavior all that it lets you it help that that's that experience right this right maybe they set up like this so when you go practice and you've got four or five days you can go to those places that that you have experience on another lake that's similar. right you can draw so the time on the experience really does help it regardless i mean everybody says that's the that's the factor for mm-hmm. being successful like, a lot of those tennessee river lakes fish similar mm-hmm. um so you can draw experience from from those lakes. Um, when you go to those Highland reservoirs, you know you could kind of compare compare uh, those type of lakes. Or you know, a big thing is like herring lakes. They kind of all fish similar and stuff like. So if you yeah. know what you're doing on one, you kind of. So, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, what's what's coming up for you? Like. Do you got anything? What's what's next on the horizon for you in terms of tournament schedule and things you're looking forward to? Uh, Broken Bow is coming up next. Um, that's the Hobie event. Uh, so I've never been there. I've I heard from some of the guys who were there last year that it's a pretty cool place, but the uh, roads kind of suck and they got <laughs> their trucks beat up and stuff, and they're on a whole lot of ramps and all kinds of all kinds of good stuff. Sounds like a sounds like it's gonna be a interesting interesting uh week there but uh i've also heard there's some good smallmouth and me and smallmouth get along pretty well so uh mm-hmm. that could get interesting um after that i've got uh lewis smith lake uh the bass master um if i do well there i'll give myself a shot going into pickwick for bass master aoi so hey, there you uh, go. that'll be that'll be interesting to to see if i keep that going i missed the first bass master tournament so I got no room for error. Uh, the first one was on uh, Lake Fork, and I was busy watching the Bengals make their Super Bowl run, so I couldn't right. make that one. So they <laughs> they had five tournaments and drop your lowest one, so Fork's my lowest. I don't have any room for error, but uh, I got a four and at uh, Harris and a nine at Grand. Uh, so that was actually those were both actually three way ties that I ended up at the bottom of. So second became a fourth and a Seventh became a ninth. <laughs> so oh, was, man. Yeah, that hurt. Well, that's all right. Hey, as classic champ, do you automatically qualify for the classic next year? Yeah. Okay. So classic now friends. you're fishing for AOI. That's AOI and wins. Right. And it'll be interesting uh, Interesting to see um, how they work out me handing the trophy to myself next year because I'm supposed to hand it off to the next winner. Hell yeah. Confidence. Yeah. <laughs> I hope all y'all catch fish. I just hope they're smaller than mine. <laughs> right. That's right. And uh, Hobie World's coming up. They, COVID's finally letting us have Hobie World, so I'll uh, be going to Sweden in August. So that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, Thank have a chance to be awesome. world champion on top of uh, uh, Bassmaster champion. So that'll be cool. Heck mm. yeah, dude. 
So uh, did you, did you, you fished, okay, yeah, you fished Santee. How'd you do at Santee Cooper? Santee, I had a okay day one and day two wasn't so much fun. I kind of got raced to my spot by somebody who knew I was fishing there and yeah, that ah. happens. I've and, heard a similar yeah. story of this happening <laughs> at Eufaula. Uh, from our buddy, Mr. Nolan Miner, who is going to have a quite an interesting video on such because it's all documented. So it's not really? out yet. That it's not, out, not yet. out yet. Trust okay, me, one I'm, I'm out, I will. I will show it to the world when it's out because the story he told me at awards was like, that's a thing. Like people did, like somebody it's had happened a couple city. times this year. And then old Jeremy, old I just Jeremy got this in the mail today. His ass up. <laughs> uh, there you go. Nice. Heck yeah. That's just awesome. came in the mail today, so that was pretty cool. They sent me a bunch of extra copies, so heck yeah, dude. That was cool. Well, keep up the grind and you know, hopefully I I'm... can't I can't find the picture, but that was my son at the Hobie booth the night after you got the trophy, walked up and, and he was like, I got a picture with the champ. That's all yeah, that's pretty sweet. It, it's gotta be uh it's cool to get see kayak anglers getting more recognition from that standpoint too mm. like where people are coming up and they recognize you from a fan standpoint not just like a angler to angler like hey i know you're eric Siddiqui, but it's more of like hey i keep up with you in like your travels and that's gotta right. be something that's pretty rewarding yeah it's it's pretty cool to see yeah uh, especially um uh, even seeing um a lot of the the boaters um recognizing us and you know paying attention now is, is cool to see so a lot, you know, I was hanging out there when, when Christy was, was winning, uh, hanging around backstage and a lot of the guys were congratulating me and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Heck yeah. It's, it's cool to see how many more people are starting to pay attention to it all. Mm-hmm. It really is. But dude, keep grinding away. And, uh, I'm sure I'll see you more at some, some of the Hobie events coming up the rest of the year and, you know, hopefully get your butt in the TOC and split a house for that shindig so that. You know, I'll follow you around and cat. No, I'm just kidding. I won't be. I won't. Be. <laughs> uh, but either way, buddy, I'm looking forward to seeing you real soon. Yeah, you too, man. Definitely. Yeah, appreciate you you joining us on here. I know a lot of people look to you for advice, obviously, because you've had a lot of success in terms of, you know, regardless of the tournament trail that you're fishing. So it's good yeah, to get you on here, a, talk a little practice with you, and dig into that championship brain of yours. Yeah, I had a guy come up to me uh, day two it uh, after Gunnersville was over and say he only cast a check because of uh, what I said when I got up there the first day talking about docks. He said I had a bunch of docks by me and went over there and caught a a big bass off of one and was able to cast a check. So I thought that was mm. cool. Yeah, it's cool until that guy nice. beats you because of your yeah, own right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I put uh, Todd Patrick. I told him to go check out a spot, and he's like, "Oh, there's." giants everywhere and uh i was talking to him during the tournament I'm like what you got he's like 91 and a half and i'm like 91 and a half geez i was like if you beat me i ain't sending you anywhere else yeah and he goes and i was like what do you got and he starts naming off i'm like that's not 91 and a half and he's like oh yeah it's 81 and a half i'm like how are you off by 10 inches oh you have some idea like, i don't know what's going on but uh you're gonna have to uh, whatever school you went to, let me know. I'm not sending my kids there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, good. <laughs> well, dude, I appreciate you taking time. I know you've had a pretty busy day, and it sounds like a pretty busy past two months. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna let you off the hook here to go enjoy the rest of your night. But, dude, seriously appreciate you joining us, and hopefully, get, hopefully, get you back on here soon. 
No problem. Thanks for having me on. Good talking to you, Jabber. Jabber. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Look, I was not I was given this I was given this name because I talk a lot and apparently at one point I caught a big fish. And somebody told me I, it, it, it was a damn Instagram post about a jabber hammer, and so it's kind of stuck. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Those are the worst nicknames. That's true. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been called worse by better, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boss, we appreciate right. it. We'll Thank talk you to you soon, Eric. All right. All right, man. Buddy, I appreciate you stepping in tonight. It was a, it was a fun episode with Eric talking uh, some more kayak fishing and talking. Because practice, dude, is like – it seems like such an easy concept for folks to practice, but it's the decisions you make in the kayak are so much heavier mm-hmm. than when you got a 250 strapped to the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, you can relate it to somebody spending an, uh, two hours making a run, going through a lock and, and having to do that to us going five miles, uh, you know, without a motor. We got motors now running six miles an hour, but for 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 most of us, we're we're able to pedal for you know two or three miles at four and a half miles an hour, and then you start tapering off. So you know you you can, and it's not a far run, and you know these big boats are making these long runs because shit's just not all together all the time. Dude, I always so, feel weird about using the term "run" in a kayak. <laughs> like, I'll call Andy, I call Andy a bunch throughout practice. Not like because a lot of these places, like, I mean, for one, yeah. Andy can't give me info on because one, he's just never been there, <laughs> right. so it's a waste of time. And two, I I suck with info. Like, I do worse when I have info. Yeah. I have to, but I call Andy all the time when I'm practicing for a tournament. Um, especially like you follow just because it's a peace of mind. Somebody I can bounce stuff off like with Drew Gregory, like Drew and I are on complete opposite spectrums mm-hmm. of how we fish. So he's a good person to call. You know, we call each other all the time because we bounce ideas off just to have someone to discuss with. It, can, it mm-hmm. helps you mentally. And uh, I forgot where we're going with it. Making a run. Just, you make, feel yeah. Weird sorry. Making a run. Yeah. Good guy. I totally forgot where I was going <laughs> Don't you hate but that? I, I mean, but yeah, yeah. I'll, like, I'll talk with Andy and I'll be like, yeah, I made a run over here. And he's like, a run? And I was like, yeah, like half a mile. <laughs> <laughs> it took 30 minutes. Wind yeah, was going right. in my face. Right. You know, yeah. yeah, it is. But that's that's how it goes. But yeah, pra- practice is different in a kayak. Uh, again, the area you're trying to cover is, is going to be small. I mean, um, but you're still you're still fishing regardless of what you're in you're still fishing the water pretty much the same way you have a lure on a rod and a reel that you chunk up in the water either you reel it in or you bounce it in i mean that's what it comes down to you're still fishing the same water the same reason you know the same way um and that's what it comes down to and you can't catch fish where fish ain't and and that's what we're doing in practice we're trying to we're trying to find where the fish are because if they're shallow today and on tournament day they're not there, they got to be somewhere nearby, just maybe a little deeper or up the bank. So just it's finding fish. You can't catch them if they ain't there. That's right. Dumbing it down, making it as simple as it can be. Mm-hmm. But buddy, I appreciate you joining us. I know you got to run here soon, but real quick for the folks, what's uh, what's coming up with you and the Bass and Brews podcast? What can people and where can people find that? Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's always great. You know, it's, it's awesome to be, to be on Serious Angler, you know, one of the podcasts looked up to when I, when I got into kayak fishing and then obviously 
when I got on Bass and Brews. Um, we got you and Andy on, so it's been great. Bass and Brews, uh, we put out an episode a week. We we might have some here and there that's coming up. Alex is is in town now, our guest co-host, the guy who started it. And he's going to be gone again for a few months. So it's just going to be me with some guest co-host and, and our guest. And, um, yeah, if you haven't listened to it, check it out. It's Bass and Brews podcast. It is not safe for work on speaker. You put your headphones in. It is not friendly, family friendly. Yeah. Uh, but we have a good time. We do talk fishing. We just, we have a good time with it. And, there, you know, it's long form. It could be an hour and a half to two and a half, three hour podcast. But it's a good time. Uh, coming up, I don't know, man. We we don't plan too far ahead, so I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, but just tune in. Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, all that good stuff. It is on Swamp Rat Fishing on YouTube, but we also have a Bass and Brews YouTube we just started, so stuff will be going on there. And check us out. It's a good time. It's, it's a little bit different, podcasters. A lot of good information, but you have to pick it out in between the picking the chaos. and the shit-talking. And the the tangents that go nowhere. Heck yeah. I will leave that down in the show description for folks Thank so you. they can go follow it on social media and then figure out where to get it link wise to MP3 and YouTube. So folks will don't have to go and find it on their own. Just go down the description. And you guys can check it out. But uh, buddy, I appreciate it. We're going to wrap it up right here. And uh, folks, we will see you guys again next week for Tuesday Night Live. <laughs>